Just realized I had Jason muted that whole time. Sorry, Jason. You're welcome, everybody else. No, I'm just kidding. First, Second Kings, Second Kings, chapter five. This morning, Second Kings, chapter five. Hope that you've had a good week. I know with the sunshine and the warmer weather was a pleasant change this week, especially while at work, and so it's nice to have some sunshine there for a few days and being able to get a lot accomplished and wasn't freezing while doing it, so I hope that you were able to enjoy it as well. And uh, today I want to look at three things uh, about Naaman. Uh, if you don't know who Naaman is, you'll find out in just a second. Naaman is a, one of the I think, more interesting stories in the Bible. A uh, man with leprosy seeking a um, uh, healing of his leprosy. And the way that it was brought about was very strange. Um, he thought that. I think that. I would assume you do too. Uh, but yet still unique. So this morning I'd like to look at three things that Naaman lost as a result here of this story. Look in verse number 1. 2 Kings chapter 5 in verse number 1, now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, uh, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet uh, that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter of the king to Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, my servant, to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God, to kill and to make alive, that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes and had sent uh, to the king, saying, that he had sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth. And went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not uh, Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. What an interesting story. 
I think we can learn a lot from it. We'll look at the three things Naaman lost, but we'll also look at some other thoughts along the way. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. We see this story, and I believe there's so much compacted into these uh, few verses that we can learn from. Uh, mindsets that we take upon ourselves instead of doing what we ought. And Lord, uh, counsel that we ignore. Uh, Lord, your word that guides us to a cleansing that we oftentimes miss out on. And Lord, I pray today as we look at these verses, I pray first and foremost that I would present them clearly and correctly. And God, I pray that we would learn from them and grow from them. So challenge us and encourage us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We see this story of Naaman. He was an important man. He was a man of valor, the Bible says, a powerful man, a soldier. He is a man that uh, uh, had servants. He is a man that was, uh, um, to some degree, wealthy in his time. Yet, the Bible says there in verse number 1, after talking about uh, this mighty man, it says, but he was a leper. And if you know from the Bible times, when you were a leper, you were an outcast. Uh, obviously, leprosy, highly contagious. Obviously, something that you don't want to, to contract. Uh, many cities would have lepers in the city that they would, as they were walking through, had to present themselves saying, unclean, unclean, so that people knew to stay away from them. And so this man, Naaman, he was here. He was a mighty man. He was an important man. Yet he was a leper, and because of that, his time of importance seemed to be running out. At some point, the leprosy was going to become too bad uh, to hide, to cover, uh, to avoid, that he was going to really end what he, uh, his life was like and how, his, how he knew his life. And so this maid comes along and she says, uh, you can go to Israel and uh, there, there's someone there who can uh, heal your leprosy. And so that message got on to Naaman and to the king, and the king said, go on, you need to do this. Head on down there. He sent a letter to the king. You, we read it. The king here got the letter and says, oh, I can't do anything about this. Uh, thankfully, Elisha said, just send them my way. And so we see that Naaman shows up at Elisha's door, and he knocks on the door, and Elisha sends someone to the door. Elisha does not even take the time. This is the way Naaman saw it. Um, or the courtesy to come himself, he sent someone else out to talk to Naaman. Now, this is a good example for pastors who don't like sick people. Uh, send someone else to do it. Right? That's, so that's what I get from it. Uh, but uh, you're sick? Ooh, gross. Uh, hey, go tell them this. Um, but I don't think that's the mindset that Elisha had. But that's, that is here what we see happening. So let's look at the three things Naaman lost. Number one... Naaman lost his temper. Verse number 9 through verse number 12, we see this as Naaman uh, receives the message from Elisha, Elisha's servant. And he says uh, in verse number 9 that as he came and arrived, verse number 10, the messenger came out, told him what to do. Verse number 11, Naaman was wroth and he went away. He said, behold, I thought he would surely come out to me, stand and call upon the name of the Lord and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. You've seen the heretic Benny Hinn, right? Smack him in the forehead, be healed. That's kind of what he was thinking was going to happen. He was expecting this, uh, this awesome, neat, memorable, goosebump-causing moment where Elisha comes to the door in his uh, pleasant robes and he looks upon 
Naaman, and he puts his hand over the spot of the uh, the leprosy on him, and he says, be healed, and I'm healed. That's what he was expecting to happen. You know, I've learned when you have expectations, they're oftentimes not going to be met. Um, And this isn't a negative thing. Uh, When we came to Lexington and started the church, my expectations were not met. Um, What I expected to happen, how I expected it to go, all of that, none none of it. None of it happened the way I thought it was going to happen. None of it went the way I thought it was going to go. Actually, how we are doing right now, where we are in a church building on property with people in the building, that's how I expected it to start. (laughs) That's not how it started. Our expectations oftentimes are, I think it should go this way. I think this is how it should happen. This is what makes the most sense. This is what I've dreamt about. This is what I've uh, pictured. And then when it doesn't happen that way, we go, well, this is a a total crock. I don't understand why it didn't happen the way I thought it should happen. I'm out of (laughs) here. I've had uh, pastors tell me, two specific pastors say, you know what, if I was in your situation, I think I would have would have left and I you know at that time I was feeling good about myself and they said that and I thought well maybe I should maybe I should have left (laughs) well maybe I'm stupid for sticking around none of it's gone the way I thought it would go and maybe I should just leave right because if it didn't go the way I thought it should go then then it probably um, isn't going well you know God's ways are perfect God's way is far better than my way and when things don't go as expected, we shouldn't turn and run. But yet, that's exactly what Naaman began to do. He lost his temper. He got angry. It didn't happen the way I thought it should happen. And so I'm going to leave. He even says in verse number 12, he lists two different rivers. He said, these rivers in Damascus, aren't they better than all the waters of Israel? Listen, the water that he was asked to go dip in, the Jordan River, was a filthy river. It was not crystal clear. It was not clean. Uh, It was not something that you look at and go, yeah, I'm going to go jump in that. That's not what it was. And so Naaman said, why the Jordan? Not only why did he not come out, why did he not wave his hand over me and heal me? Why the dirty Jordan River when I can go somewhere else? Aren't those waters so much better? Listen, Naaman was a great man. He was well known. He expected uh, an elaborate show that fed his uh, dignified status in society. And his ego and his pride got in the way here of him understanding what was happening. Well, Elisha didn't come out, no. But he sent a messenger, and the messenger told him what to do. Well, that river is disgusting. Aren't there better rivers? Well, sure, but if that will heal you, why wouldn't you do it? Right, so in his mind, he's thinking, I'm too important. I'm too special. I'm too dignified to be treated this way. That's what he was saying, yet the way he was being treated was being offered healing of a deadly disease. But he didn't see that. All he saw was, I'm not being treated the way I feel I should be treated. And so he lost his temper. Number two, we see that Naaman lost his pride. This is a positive thing. Losing his temper was not good. Losing his pride is good. Look in verse 13. His servants, I'm so thankful... Uh, that there are people in this world that no matter their social standings, they're willing to speak out to help. 
And his servants said to Naaman, I don't know what the relationship he had with these servants. Typically, you think master and servant, you think servant may be too scared uh, to speak out against uh, what their master is thinking. But his servant, in verse 13, spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou have done it? He says, if the prophet asked you to put on a show, to do something spectacular, wouldn't you have done it? Then he says there in verse 13 still, How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. See how simple this is? You're, you wanted him to do something spectacular, and he just said, Wash and be clean. So why wouldn't you do that? It's so simple, it's so easy. And it says in verse 14, Then he, Naaman, went down, and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. His pride was getting in the way of his cleansing. Someone had to talk a little bit of sense into him, and he realized that his pride was keeping him from being healed, and so he decided, you know what, I think it's probably smart for me to go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times so that I can be healed. You see, pride causes so many issues in our lives. As a matter of fact, pride keeps us from receiving so many blessings in our lives as well. I'm going to mark my spot in 2 Kings and go to Proverbs. If you want to come there with me, let's look at several verses in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 8 to start. Proverbs chapter 8. Of course, Proverbs is a book that talks a lot about wisdom. Uh, there is uh, comparing and contrasting between the wise and the foolish. None of us want to be foolish. Someone calls you a fool, it is a uh, negative statement that you don't want to be called. No one wants to be called a fool. Most of us would say, well, I would never consider myself super wise, but I'm also not a fool, <laughs> right? Well, the Bible says you're either wise or you're a fool. And so how are you going to do that? And, and pride, though, is that of the foolish person, and pride will cause you to miss out on a blessed life, a truly happy life. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. So that's something that we need to go away from, right? Pride. Flip over to Proverbs 11, verse number 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. When pride cometh, then, right after that, comes shame. It's following pride. Shame follows pride. It happens every time. Uh, chapter 13, verse 10. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Only by pride cometh contention. You know when you're having a dispute with your spouse, it's typically because of pride, and your pride refuses to let you say, I'm sorry. When you have an issue at work, oftentimes the disputing is a result of pride and someone not being willing to step up to the plate and saying, I was wrong. Or someone not being able to humble themselves to do a job that they think they're too good for. Whatever it may be. Uh, chapter 16, verse number 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before fall. This is a familiar verse. We use it a lot. Um, I thought about this verse a lot around election time. 
You know, we can't just go out and lift ourselves up all the time. Actually, we shouldn't do it ever. We go out there and we lift ourselves up, well, I'm this and I'm this and I'm this and this happened because of me and look what I did and all these sorts of things. But the Bible says that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Well, why? Because what follows pride, shame does. Pride's going to lead to a fall and it's a, a, it's a long fall at that. Then back to uh, 29, Proverbs 29, verse 23. It says, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in, in spirit. A man's pride shall bring him low. It'll, it'll bring him down. It'll humiliate him. It will humble him. You see, Naaman was standing just a distance away from healing. And his first thought was, I'm too good for that. And thank God that some servant... Some person said, uh, excuse me, Mr. Naaman, don't you think it would be wise to be healed and get in the dirty river as opposed to being a leper and staying clean? You see, oftentimes, not only do we need to lose our pride to, to come across this cleansing, so to say, but we also need to lose our pride to try to help other people as well. A lot of times we don't reach out to help someone because of our own pride. Sometimes it's, well, what if they react, um, you know, mean? What if they get angry? So I'm not going to help that person just in case. This servant, I don't, again, I don't know the relationship between the servant and Naaman, but you know, what I know about masters and servants in that time was if a servant did something wrong, they could be killed. And Naaman was being prideful, he was angry, he was wroth, the Bible says, and yet still this servant gave up his own pride and said, Naaman, you know, if he would have asked you to do some big show, you would have done it, but he's just asking you to wash and be clean. Doesn't that make sense? Isaiah 2.11 says, The lofty looks of a man shall be humbled. Obadiah 1.3, The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Paul in 2 Corinthians, he's writing to the church of Corinth, talks about how pride will bring down the church. You know, when we reach to the point where I'm too good, where I'm too important to do something, we ultimately get in the way of the blessings that God wants to offer us. Naaman almost gave up being healed. Think about that. Leprosy was going to kill him. It was a disgusting disease. It would make him an outcast in society until he finally died, which was going to be the end result of it. And he almost gave up being healed. Why? Just because I'm too good for that. Well, he should have came out and talked to me. Well, he should have done this. Well, the Jordan River's dirty. Who cares? Right? You have an opportunity to be blessed. Why won't you do what's necessary? And you see, a lot of times in the Christian life, because of our pride, because we refuse to lose our pride, we come to the point where God says, I would like to bless you. I would like to give you something that you're not going to get otherwise. I would like to help you. What I want you to do is this. And we say, but God, seriously, come on. A kid could do that. Great, that means it should be easy for you. Well, God, you know, 
I mean, I've been saved a long time, and, and that's, that may be something better for a young Christian. God says, do it, and you'll be blessed. What are you waiting for? Our pride holds us from the ability to do or to receive the blessings that God says, it's here for you. You just go down to the Jordan and dip seven times, and it's yours. But our pride keeps us from receiving those blessings, and our pride keeps us from those things until we lose our pride. We will not receive the blessings that God is offering to us. Naaman lost his temper. Naaman lost his pride. And then lastly, Naaman lost his leprosy. As far as I know, there's not a person in here today that has leprosy. Um, I've never met a person with leprosy. I know that still exists. It's still out there, but... I've never met someone with that. But in the Bible, leprosy is a picture of sin. It's used oftentimes as a picture showing us an example of sin. And and what it does to a person's body, sin does to us spiritually. It eats us, literally. It kills us, literally. And here we see uh, this, this dignified man back in... Uh, 2 Kings chapter 5. And we see this man, he comes to the Jordan River. Now I've heard, um, some of you have heard of or heard uh, Pastor Jim Shetler preach before. He used to pastor in Florida, now he's works for a Bible college. But um, hearing him tell this is, is very fun. So if you've heard him tell this before, I apologize uh, for, for what I'm about to do. But um, leprosy, uh, here he comes. He comes to the river, right? Naaman comes to the river. And he gets to the Jordan, and he steps into the Jordan. Now, uh, Pastor Shetler plays it out, uh, you know, very tentatively, dipping his toe into water, stuff like that. It's hilarious. It's great. I'm not going to do it today. But uh, Naaman comes to the water, and he gets to the river, and he gets yet, and he begins to dip down. How does he do it? I don't know. Does he just sink down in it? Does he do a, a, a cannonball? I have no idea. But he dips down in the water, comes up the first time. If, he, if it's me, I'm checking after the first time, right? <laughs> do I need to do this six more times? Am I good? No, I'm not good. I still have leprosy. The second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time. I wonder, I have no idea, I wonder if Naaman, coming up the sixth time, began to wonder, is this actually working? Like, if it's just one more time. What does the seventh time make, how does that make a difference compared to six times? You know, and you wonder, what was he thinking as he was coming up uh, that, that seventh time out of the water, or going down that seventh time into the water. But he does. He comes up, it says in verse 14, that uh, he did as according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So what does that tell you? You see the res- restoration that is here to his skin. The skin of a child obviously is different than the skin of an adult. Um, uh, it's not as coarse and hard and calloused It's that innocence, it's that smoothness that is there. His skin is restored in that way. And it it all happened by simple obedience, by dipping in the Jordan River seven times. What do we have to do before we can be cleansed of sin? If leprosy is a picture of sin, does God tell us today, go down to the river, dip seven times, and then you'll be forgiven? No, what does He say? He says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, wait a second. You're saying that I've got sin in my life, and in order to be cleansed of that sin, I just need to go to God, confess it, 
seek forgiveness and God will forgive me? Yeah. Isn't it amazing how long we hold on to sin? Oftentimes, Christians, I have found, will hold on to a sin, they know they've been wrong, they're sorry that they've done wrong, they're, they know they feel guilty because of the wrongdoing that they've done, yet they haven't taken it to God and asked for forgiveness yet, oftentimes out of shame. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? Uh, they sinned. They would walk with God, talk with God in the garden, and after they, they ate of the fruit, they, they recognized, hey, I've got no clothes on. So they covered themselves up. They were shamed. Covered themselves up. And then they hide from the all-knowing, the all-seeing, the all-powerful God. And God comes to the garden and he calls for Adam. No answer. Adam and Eve, you can just picture it, right? Hiding behind a bush. <laughs> just like a kid does when he's playing hide-and-go-seek. God confronts Adam and Eve. And God covers for them, right? He creates a new garment, a better garment than what they had. He shed the blood of a lamb to do so. That's again a picture, it's an illustration that shows us uh, from, the, from the beginning of creation, God's plan to sacrifice, to shed blood for us. You see, Adam and Eve, in their shame, they still didn't want to approach God about it. You see, God is the one who can cleanse us. God's the only one that can cleanse us. And yet we hide in our shame and we drag our shame around with us for years instead of just going to God and asking for forgiveness. We don't even have to go to the river. We can, in our car, in our home, in our pew, in a restaurant, uh, walking around wherever we are, we can confess our sins to God. And God says, I will forgive you, and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We have to lose our pride before we can lose our sin, because pride is a sin. Again, I ask, had Naaman not dipped in the Jordan River, what would have happened to him? He wouldn't have been healed. He would have went back home to his wife, and he would have told his wife, Elisha didn't even come out. He sent a messenger, and then the messenger told me to go down to that nasty Jordan River and dip seven times, and then I'd be healed. I can't believe he would do that. And then she would have said, so what did you do? He said, I came home. She said, you didn't dip in the river? No. Why not? Because it's dirty. <laughs> You've had this conversation with your wife if you're a husband. <laughs> but, but wait, so he told you that if you dipped in the river seven times, you'd be healed, and you'd didn't dip in the river seven times? No. Why not? Because I'm Naaman. You know what she's going to say? You're a leper. And then Naaman would have had to travel all the way back. Knock on Elisha's door. Is that offer still good? You see... We, we have all these excuses and all these reasons why we can't do the stuff that God wants us to do. And yet God's going, but wait, you're a sinner. Well, God, I, I'm really going through this trial and this hardship, and I really need you to help me out, and I, you're not helping me. And God says, it's because you haven't dipped in the river. 
because you're not doing what I've told you to do. You're not being obedient to what I've told you to do. You're not going to receive blessings. I use the simplest illustration all the time, and you're probably tired of hearing it, but if you're at the grocery store, and the kid's been horrible the entire time you're in the store, and then he says, can I have a candy bar? You're going to say no every single time. Why? Because they've been disobedient. They've been bad. So why do we expect God to give us the candy bar when we're sinning? It doesn't make any sense. When all we have to do is what God's told us to do. We waste so much time and we miss out on so much blessing because we simply just won't do what God has told us to do. You see, Naaman, he started out by losing his temper. And that's what we do. But God, it didn't go the way I thought it should go. It didn't turn out the way I thought it should turn out. It didn't happen the way I thought it should happen. God says, I don't care. <laughs> he says, you want forgiveness, you ask for it. You want blessings, you obey. You just do what I told you to do, no matter what it is. What's God telling you to do today that you have said, God, I, I can't? Remember God told Moses, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt? And Moses goes, I can't. God says, I know. <laughs> but I want you to do it anyways. What has God told you to do that you've told God, God, I can't do that? And, and by saying that, you're not... You're not being rebellious in your heart. You're saying, I don't have the ability to do that. And God's saying, I know you don't, but I want you to do it anyways. I'm going to help you do it. Don't let your pride keep you from obeying God. Don't let your pride keep you from being blessed by God. And I think of these missionaries. I've heard several stories of missionaries who were working full-time jobs, um, not in ministry, some in ministry, but others. Uh, I know pastors that have done this as well, and God says, I want you to go to the mission field. And, and they're thinking, well, but I've got a job, I've got a house, I've got a family. I've got all these things, and if I go to the mission field, well, then I'm going to have to travel and raise support, then I'm going to have to learn a new language, then I'm going to have to do this, I'm going to have to do this, and, and uh, you know, I don't know that I can do that. And they come to the realization, if God wants me to do it, it's what I'm supposed to do. You know, we think sometimes, well, you know, God's never called me to the mission field. That's fine, but God has called you to the place where you're at. He's called you to your co-workers. He's called you to your family. He's called you to your friends. To be, we overuse this a lot, but to be a missionary right where you are. Well, but God, you don't understand, I... You know, I'm not a good speaker. That's what Moses said. God used Moses to deliver the people out of Egypt. Well, God, you don't know what I've done. Yes, he does. He knows everything. But God, you don't understand. Yes, he does. He understands everything. Yet he still asked you to do it. So what's keeping you from doing it? It's your pride. So lose your pride. Because when uh, Naaman lost his pride, he lost his leprosy. And your leprosy, your sin, needs to get lost as well. And it happens by first submitting, humbling yourself to God, losing your pride, and just obeying what God says to do.
I know I say it a lot, but it really is that simple. Just, just do right. <laughs> just do what God says. Follow him and then let him provide for you moving forward from there. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. Every single one of us deals with pride. And God, I pray that you would help us as we, uh, we seek to, I believe all of us desire to serve you. I believe all of us want to please you. Yet, God, oftentimes there are things in our lives that block us, that keep us from, from following you, from obeying you, and typically it's pride. But God, whatever it is, I pray that today you'd bring it to our heart, that you'd convict us of it, and that today we would we'd lay it down at your feet. Lord, that we would claim the promise that you made, that if we confess our sins, you will be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, I pray that today if we've been missing out on blessings because we've refused to go to the Jordan River and dip. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see, as that servant helped Naaman to see, the importance of just doing it as you've told us to do it. So God, today I pray whatever you're placed on our hearts that we would take it to you and get it taken care of. And God, that walking out of this building today, we'll walk out fully surrendered and focused to what you have for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you stand with me, please? The piano's going to play. If God spoke to you today, would you take, take care of that with him? You're welcome to come to the front and kneel and pray. You're welcome to stay at your seat. But if something's blocking your blessing, would you, would you clear it out today? Don't be like Naaman. When he said, I'm not going to do that. that, that doesn't fit me. Just surrender. Submit it to God. Say, God, may your will be done in my life. You got a sin in your life today that God's convicting you of this morning? Take it to Him and ask forgiveness of it. Open the door. Open the channel so that the blessings can come to you. Don't miss out on them.